0: The Ain't No Fang Podcast.
1: From Arizona sports,
0: Ain't No Fang. Do we have to talk about the Diamondbacks? Can't we just talk about the Suns? Oh, I wish. I'm Steve Zinsmeister. That's Derek Montia here on the Ain't No Fang Podcast. Cody has ditched us for vacation for the second week in a row. What? How much time off does he get?
1: Wow. There's no way. There He's got... This has to be unpaid at this point. Oh,
0: we don't pay him. Oh, okay. Of
1: course. Okay. That makes sense. It's just you and I are getting paid for this. okay oh, Um...
0: It's funny because there's not a whole lot about the Diamondbacks that I even want to talk about, but there are some things we have to talk about.
1: Hey, Steve, they won a series for the first time in 66 days.
0: They've won as many games in the month of July as they won in the entire month of June.
1: Put it to you that way. That's gross. So,
0: not great. Um, Can we start on a positive? I feel like we don't do that very often anymore. Can we? um the diamondbacks have an all-star they do now we will neglect it's, the fact that there is a rule that you have to a have an all-star requirement yes, yeah. yes but sure. eduardo escobar was named the arizona diamondbacks single all-star
1: um it's I think, funny i think he deserves it but at the same time we already know that he's a highly coveted trade object at this point do yeah. we really need to put him on display nationally for all the teams to <laughs> lust after him
0: yeah, well, actually, that might be what the front office is looking for at yeah, this point. I, I don't know.
1: I think it is.
0: Uh, it's funny. Cody and I were texting uh, maybe a week ago. And he was like, "Who's going to be the the all star for the team?" He's like, "Is it Pavin Smith?" And it, and I was like, "Oh man!" Like he Pavin had a good first month, probably, he
1: sure did. yeah. Um, but, but he really cooled off there after a while. He
0: really did. And I'm I'm still impressed by his. I would I would still call this a breakout for Pavin Smith. I mean, like he's at least morphed into some role at the major league level, which is a positive. But absolutely. But if that was your all star. I would have been very disappointed. Eduardo Escobar is having a good power season. Great power season. A lot of homers, yeah. drives in a lot of runs on a bad team. Um but he's not hitting 300 or anything. No. He's not he's not your typical all-star who's just dominating.
1: His slugging numbers aren't even that great. He's hitting 480. Uh, he has a 252 batting average, but yeah. he does have 19 home runs which is going to be his Uh, This is going to be his, if he keeps on this pace, the second most home runs he's ever hit in a season outside of the 2019 year that he had that was phenomenal with the 118 RBI. Uh, He does have 58 RBI, which is substantially high for this team considering how bad this team has been. As we've seen and talked about, though, in the past, it really hasn't been the offense that has been the problem this season. I think when you look at the D-backs' numbers, nobody stands out particularly but it's a team effort everybody is kind of around you know eduardo's numbers they their numbers are similar batting average numbers are similar he just has a little bit more you know pop they they've had a they've really struggled with home runs this season uh escobar has been the the one person that has not struggled at the plate when it comes to to the big fly
0: they have 78
1: home runs this season the, the which least. is
0: the 29th oh in baseball they were dead last for yeah we there, jumped so. somebody yeah um not pir- that I'm impressed. The Pirates, I'm assuming. But like you said, it, it's a bit concerning not only to be 29th, but when your only home run hitter is also your big trade chip. We've right. talked about how there were plenty of rumors surrounding the Chicago White Sox who lost Nick Madrigal, who was their starting second baseman. They had interest in Escobar at possibly second base. Um, don't forget the White Sox also, good team still. They lost Eloy Jimenez, uh, Luis Robert for a time, so... I don't know. That That still looks like a possibility. There are certainly also rumors that the White Sox are interested in Adam Frazier, who is the all-star second baseman from the Pirates and one of the better contact hitters in baseball right now. So I would think the White Sox would probably prefer Adam Frazier to Eduardo Escobar, but Escobar would provide a different thing. He would provide more pop.
1: Sure. I think Escobar, he started his career with the White Sox. So there's that. They're just coming back to the team that I don't he think I realize that. began his major league career with. Then you also have the fact that he, uh, you know, I I think a lot of teams might see the situation here in Arizona and think once he's out of it that he could flourish elsewhere. With the pressure off, with a team like the White Sox that's offensively very good. Stacked. You know, stacked. <laughs> there's not that same level to be the guy. You know, and I think that that's something Lavolo has touched on on a couple of uh, occasions. I think he has mentioned it when it comes to you know, the pressure that certain guys might be feeling and why why certain guys were struggling at the plate. Uh, And I think he's also been a little bit let down by it when it comes to the fact that nobody that's been given opportunities, for instance, like the bullpen, some of the bullpen guys that have been called upon, haven't, you know, confidently taken the opportunity and tried to, you know, run with it. Uh, I think Escobar probably, you know, would, we probably would see his batting, you know average increase a bit and some of his numbers go up on a team that he didn't have to be the guy on and i think that that could be something that you know it it's going to upset us as fans of him of this team to see him go elsewhere and do really good but he's one of those guys i think you're going to continue to root for you know elsewhere i think he's just he he has been a sincerely genuine uh dedicated member of this team and it's gonna be rough to see him go but i think you know people will still root for him uh you know wherever he goes
0: i don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves it's not like he's been traded there's been rumors for like a month now that he's gonna get traded to the white Sox, and it seemed close at times
1: steve steve he's the, he's the only representative in the all-star game he's yeah. gonna go up there and he's gonna go two for two with six rbi wow <laughs> and he's what a night he's gonna win the game for the national (laughs) league that's that's mvp status oh man well that's what i'm saying if that could happen then like maybe we could get a little bit more in return for him maybe they know what they're doing as far as sending him to the all-star game like you said and having him you know kind of be on display nationally he's
0: not a starter um let me do this actually so let me read you the nl starters and you tell me if uh people got this right um the catcher is buster posey i think he's been the best Catcher in the National League. Carson Kelly had a shot, but then he got injured for the second month. Sure. Uh, first base is Freddie Freeman. He won an MVP last season. That certainly helps. Uh, second base, Adam Frazier, we talked about, uh, who has had this emergence this season. Fernando Tatis at shortstop. Probably the best player in baseball. Absolutely. Uh, Nolan might, Arenado. Might go
1: 40 for 40. 40, Tatis. 40 and 40, yeah.
0: Yeah, he might. He might. Uh, Nolan Arenado at third base. So he continues to dominate third base for the National League. Okay. Are you against that one? You I don't, don't like know.
1: that one. I do, you know the problem is is that I only saw him you know in the series here against the Diamondbacks a couple of times and he just didn't. I think he did have a home run because that's what he does. But I think otherwise he you know was kind of struggled a bit at the plate. Uh, I I don't know. Yeah. I mean that's probably more of just his All Star status already and right. You know he still has good numbers.
0: Ronald Lacuna jr. in center field yeah. one of the top five players in baseball Absolutely. easily top three probably yep. um here's what's interesting the corner outfields in the national League are both from the Cincinnati Reds Jesse Winker and Nicholas Castellanos
1: yeah Castellanos, is a that's a no-brainer but he's a monster
0: yeah did you see i, I saw a dead spin article the other day that I had to click on because it totally baited me into it. The caption, I, I think the headline was something like, Nick Castellanos has mastered the art of the inappropriately timed home run.
1: Oh, yeah. So oh, you remember last year. That's been year, the big joke on Twitter. Have you not seen these tweets? I, yeah, that's where I saw it. That's where I saw it.
0: So uh, remember last year when Nicholas Castellanos hit a home run in the middle of, uh, was it Brenneman's apology? Oh, yes, yes. Remember when yes. he <laughs> accidentally uh, let a, a gay slur slip in the yes. middle, of a, uh, middle of a game? And he apologized when he came back from break, but then Nicholas Castellanos <laughs> hit a home run. So he's like, <laughs> he and uh, I apologize, this one's deep to left field, and that's gone. <laughs> I was wrong to say what I—like, he just kept going through the home run. Well, then the other day, Castellanos hit another home run while the other team's broadcast crew was, uh, like, eulogizing a former employee? No.
1: Yeah. No. no.
0: Yeah. He what? hit it. They were like, "Well, this is certainly not the greatest time for this to happen, but we will push through." They like apologized for Nick Castellanos hitting a home run in the middle of their eulogy. How dare you, Nick Castellanos? Yeah. It's fantastic, by the way. Uh, he should be an All Star just based on that. Yeah,
1: absolutely. By the way, Jesse Winker hitting three oh one with nineteen home runs and forty nine RBI. So numbers pretty comparable there. Besides the batting average, to Escobar.
0: Higher average, though. A little bit higher average, yeah.
1: What did you say his average was? About 50... Uh, 301.
0: That's that's not s- even close. That's s- way s- higher than Escobar. Uh, slugging percentage is 546. <laughs> I love that you tried to play that off as... Yeah, they're comparable. I'm like, mm, uh, wait a minute. Sh- I think I heard a number sh- in there. Shut up, Steve. Uh, American League. Shohei Otani is going to be the DH and... Probably is going to pitch. And he's going to be in the home run derby. And he's going to do the home run. He's going to be the whole weekend. The whole, what do they call it? All-Star weekend?
1: Yeah, I think so.
0: Even though some of it happens on like Monday.
1: I don't even know if it's on the, yeah. I don't know know how that works.
0: Um, Salvador Perez at catcher, he has certainly had a comeback season and has been awesome. Vlad Guerrero Jr. is at first base. He might be the best pure hitter in baseball this year.
1: That Blue Jays team is very dangerous.
0: Speaking of them, Marcus Simeon is at second base. Uh, He's certainly had a great year switching positions to second base in order to play for a good team. Xander Bogarts, who's been sneaky good the last couple of seasons, at shortstop from the Red Sox, also from the Red Sox, Rafael Devers is at third base. I love him personally. I think he's great. Teoscar Hernandez in left field. Uh, the Blue Jays have been great. I don't know that I would have thought of him to be a starter in the outfield for the American League.
1: No, am I wrong? No, but it's. Uh, I, I think a lot of it is early performance, you know, and and yeah, he kind of had a breakout season this year. So uh, that's been a tough division. I think that's the other thing it's it's hard to think about the Blue Jays and Yankees being good at all in any way shape or form (laughs) but then you look at their record and they're both you know I think the Blue Jays are like a half dozen games above 500 and they're nowhere close to the Red Sox with how good the Red Sox have been this season.
0: Uh, Yankees speaking of Aaron Judge is in right field and Mike Trout in center despite the fact that Mike Trout uh, has been injured so I don't think that's
1: actually happening but I don't know. Um, Why do they do that? Why do they just because it's a fan vote? Oh, OK. It's a fan vote. So
0: the fans voted in. Tra- he deserves to. He's the best player in
1: baseball. No, I know. But I'm just he saying.
0: deserves to be there. It's just it's, it's he hasn't played. It's an all star game. A while.
1: It's not a silver slugger award or a golden glove. It's a It's right. voting people into play in the game. I don't think uh, injured players should even be eligible to be voted upon. But because wasn't his injury before um, voting started?
0: It, probably. I don't know when voting started officially, but probably. Get
1: your act together, MLB.
0: Well, and I've always been an advocate of all-star voting in its ideal form should include how that player did the previous season. Valid. Because really, like, (laughs) I hate to bring it back up, but you knew I was going to. Uh, Jake Lamb went to an all-star game, Mm. and he had a good month and a half Mm. in his
1: career. God. The Jake Lamb slander will and never end. And he gets end. to go to the All-Star game. It's amazing. No, but you see my point. Like, yeah, You don't no, have to be yeah, good for point, very long to be an All-Star. Your point is that you hate Jake Lamb. That's <laughs> your point. <laughs> We've established that,
0: I can Steve. neither confirm nor deny. I don't think
1: the guy's even playing baseball right now professionally. I
0: don't know. Yeah. I can't. Wow, well, I don't spend a lot of my free time looking up Jake <laughs> Lamb statistics. I'm, I'm, I used I, to. I don't believe, believe that. Believe me, I used to. <laughs> You think they got most of those rosters right, though?
1: Uh, yeah, I think so. I like the fact that it's a lot of young players and newer guys and newer names. I think MLB does a terrible job of marketing players. I thought that they yeah. did such a good job when I was a kid. I knew so many players that I had no business knowing, and a lot of that was obviously due to SportsCenter and the way that baseball used to be covered on Center when, especially in the middle of the summer when there wasn't any other sports going on. I think that baseball in general did better marketing towards kids to get kids familiar with baseball and baseball players and get them interested in the game i just don't i don't know i i have a kid i don't see that marketing towards them i don't see on like the cartoon network or other thing commercials with like otani or other you know up-and-coming superstars that you want to market in any kind of you know kind of thing to introduce and try to get people excited they used to do dumb commercials and cartoons and all sorts of stuff when i was a kid to try to get people into the game i think that's the thing that's missing i i think nhl does a terrible job at it too because i think they they did a better job when i was a, a kid i just i don't know what where the thought process is as far as getting the next generation of fans to fall in love with the game but you gotta you know you kind of have to do that you know it's i think if of, you're baseball
0: this weekend needs to be all about shohei otani absolutely I know that, like, in baseball, traditionally, they like to make whatever the home team is, they like to make it all about them. Yeah. And this year was supposed to be in Atlanta, and for political reasons, it's not going to be. Well,
1: and now and they it's were going to do
0: this whole big thing for Hank Aaron, which I think is still happening, but the game is actually in Colorado, and Trevor Story's in the home run derby. And, like, there's always this fanfare around the home team. But if you're baseball, you need to focus 100% of your attention on this guy, Shohei Otani, who is incredible. And he plays both ways. He's a hitter. He's a pitcher. He's going to be in the home run derby. He might he might hit and pitch in the All-Star game.
1: If they're smart, that's going to happen. He is an incredible person. Just everything right. about him, he's fascinating. He sings to himself when he's on the mound. His facial expressions are priceless at times. He does really weird things. Like will swing at, at a pitch and... and strike in the in in the most awkward way where he's falling down to one knee and and just looks foolish and mm-hmm. looks like a pitcher would up there batting and then he'll dust himself up get up and hit the and next hit home run. Run, pitch for a home run <laughs> yeah. it's amazing You're right. i've never You're seen right. anything like it because there's times where i you know especially facing the diamondbacks you know i'm i'm watching it live yeah and then there's a delay on the tv in front of me and i always you know, bounce back and forth because I, I, I watch it live and then I get the close up image of what happened with the strike zone, all of that on the TV. And just sometimes to see that stuff, you know, twice is is incredible. He's a dominant pitcher. I think one of one of the things that I, I'm not sure if it was Merrill Kelly or Possibly Carson Kelly. I might be getting those two Kellys confused. <laughs> One or the other. Uh, Kelly Kapowski might have said this too, uh, but it was that when he pitches to you, he'll throw you a fastball at like 92 miles an hour, or a cutter at like 91, or you know a slider at 88, and then he'll just rear back and throw you a, a four seam fastball at 102 miles an hour. Right, and it's like even his you know slower mid stuff is so good. And then it's unfair when he can just dial it back and you know strike you out on a hundred and three mile an hour pitch. You know it's, it's talent beyond talent, right? And then he'll beat you at the plate. The team's having a, a, a down night, and he'll get up and go two for three at the plate with a home run and four RBI.
0: But I saw too, like you were, you talk about his personality and how fun he is, yeah. and, and he doesn't take himself too seriously. That's obvious. And I feel like you kind of have to be that way to play as much as he is, to pitch every fifth day and also hit every single day. Yeah. Um, I saw the other day, there was like a one of the bats broke and he ran over and picked up the, the barrel end of the broken bat, just like the shard of the bat, and ran it over to the other team and handed it to them. Like, he cleaned up the field in the middle of the game. Like There's people to do that. There they're, they're, are players in baseball, like 99% of them, who don't even have the time of day to take their helmet off and take it to the dugout. They just like sit there and wait for a bat boy to come and get it. But Shohei Otani, the best player in baseball right now, has time <laughs> to walk across a diamond and deliver time. you the broken bat that's no longer going to be in use. Well, and
1: I think that's the thing about him that makes him so delightful that's what you, you talk about the, you know that childlike you know wonderment and adoration for the game the way that he is he he reminds me of watching like a little league player as a, as yeah. a grown man I just I can't help but like him you know he, he's an opposing player he's dominant there's few of those that I like being a D-backs fan deep down inside Unless they're on our team. You know, it's right. it's not something that's a likable feature to me.
0: Like players, when they come to town, you're like, you know what? If they hit a home run, I'd be okay with it. Right.
1: Exactly. I want exactly. my team
0: to win, but I also want to see him hit like a 480-foot bomb.
1: He's absolutely that guy. Yeah. He's absolutely that guy. And it I,
0: felt different when the Angels were in town
1: a few weeks ago. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it did. It felt like, like a lot he, of people were there to spectate and see Otani.
0: He pitched on a Friday night, I think it was. And I remember thinking, like, I didn't end up going to the game, but I remember thinking, if I'm going to go to a game this weekend, it has to be Friday. Right. Because I to be. have to see that guy. And there's not a lot of those dudes in the league anymore.
1: Right. Right. You're absolutely right. Definitely none that play for the Diamondbacks. So let's talk about the home run derby, by the way. Otani's okay. in it. Juan Soto from the Nationals is in it. Salvador Perez, catcher from the Royals, is in it. He's got over 20 home runs already. Yeah. yeah. But then we start getting into, once again, uh, Pete Alonso. He, didn't he win it last year? He sure did. Yeah. Uh, Joey Gallo. Oh, he's been a monster lately. Trevor Story. Okay. Matt Olson, Trey Mancini.
0: Um, Mancini's a great story this year. He really is. He left baseball with cancer. Was that last season or the year mm-hmm. before? Uh- and he made his return. He's been playing great. Um, I love Juan Soto. He's having a down year. Trevor's story, we all know, is one of the better shortstops, but he's having a down year. I think he's only in the derby because he's plays for the home team. Am maybe, I wrong
1: about that? Maybe. Maybe it's because that he's been one of the best home run hitters, and it's at his ballpark. You know, it's not necessarily this yeah. year's numbers, like you said before about sometimes with all star picks and things like that. Um, but I don't know. I, I he he's not having a terrible season. He's just not his normal. I guess dominant self because you know, you're getting up there, you're getting up there in years now, you know. No Aaron Auto anymore, too, right? But you're right, Trevor Story, I think, has the least home runs of anybody that's in the derby, and that includes Trey Mancini. Yeah,
0: and part of me is like, if there's any guy that's going to go up there and just throw out a stinker in the home run derby, like, I would think Trevor Story is probably the most likely pick for that. But at the same time, being the home guy, like, he takes batting practice over a hundred times a year in that stadium
1: and the thought of this being in colorado just means that there's a good chance that we could see i I don't know 600 foot home runs yeah (laughs) (laughs) and somebody hit 50 in the two minutes or however long they have
0: i heard somebody gosh which talking head was it it wasn't me and you there was somebody i heard the other day that said expect 500 foot home runs which i think is easily going to happen uh, and they said, somebody might hit it out of the ballpark <laughs> at Coors Field, and, I, and I thought to myself, well, that's not possible. I was like, there's no opening. At Coors- <laughs> there's no river. There's no, I was like, where would they hit it out? And that made me think like, oh my God. They might hit,
1: like, 800-foot blasts. Yeah, like, this literally might. Hit it out? Like, out? there is no out. Well, I mean, it's an open-air stadium, Steve, so the thought <laughs> is, is that they There's just always an out. clear the entire audience. And uh, maybe. I hope facility. that happens. I hope so. They were like, yeah, they
0: might hit it out over the rocks, and I was like, isn't there stuff beyond the rocks? But I don't know. Yeah. I don't, I don't know, know that to be true. I've yeah. been to this stadium, but I, when I lived there, I was, like, eight, nine. I,
1: I can't wait to see it. I think I'm It'll more excited fun. about the home run derby than I am the All Star game.
0: I'm a little bummed Vlad's not in it. Yeah, he made it sound like he had the opportunity and he declined. Right,
1: and nobody from Which the Blue fine. Jays, nobody from the Blue Jays is on it. Yeah, no Hernandez. Yeah, so I'm pretty sure that might be like more of a not wanting to mess with your swing for the season. Maybe I know a lot of guys take that approach to the home run derby that they don't that that it can really. Are there a lot of big home run guys though? On the I mean, I know the Blue Jays collectively
0: hit a lot of home runs, but like Kevin Biggio is not a big home run guy. Simeon, Simeon's been good, but he's a middle infielder. I guess Trevor Story's middle infielder, so I don't know. I think of Hernandez when I think of big home runs.
1: Vlad Guerrero has almost he has twenty eight home runs.
0: Yeah, but I meant other than Vlad. Oh, okay. Like who are the other ones from the from the Blue Jays that would have made it? I don't know. Hmm. Hernandez would be the first name that comes to mind, but yeah. Um, yeah, I'm definitely excited for the Home Run Derby in a way that I usually, you know me, I'm always pumped for anything baseball, and the Home Run Derby is something that I grew up loving. I mean, I remember sitting there watching Jeff Bagwell and Ken Griffey Jr. and A-Rod hitting home runs over the Green Monster, I think that was like in the late 90s in the Home Run Derby, and then, you know, you had Sammy Sosa out there, and he flips his hat backwards too, and you got Mark McGuire, who just couldn't stop hitting home runs, that's our child that, that's my childhood,
1: yeah, I shouldn't speak for you.
0: That's my childhood. <laughs> How dare you <laughs> you're older than me, that's
1: my teenage years, but yeah no i'm I'm hundred percent with you on that, and I think that's what you know it was so exciting because i don't I don't think it was necessarily the amount of home runs and things that they were doing, but going back to the marketing of players right. It was just exciting to see those guys because they were such big names even at that time. It was
0: always the biggest names.
1: Yeah, and it was always the biggest players in always. in baseball. You didn't have this thing about not wanting to mess up your swing right. or anything like Cal that. Cal Ripken did the home run derby. Yeah, you know, and I think that they made it fun. There was something about those guys that they they you know they laughed and it was cool to see them get together because they were so competitive all season long that they didn't you know they didn't have that that same fire against each other during this you know they're all just kind of laughing and hanging out they're on the same team together now because they're on the national league team together or whatever uh they're sitting you know or even if they're playing against each other in the home run derby they're you know just Joking and horse horse playing they and all the that kids kind of on stuff. the field. Yeah, yeah. It was always a very cool atmosphere that showed you that these guys were real human beings, that they didn't take this so seriously, that they could still be friends with players from opposite teams and all of that. You know, that's that's what I remember. I remember really enjoying that. I enjoy it to this day. That's still something really big about the All Star Game and and the Home Run Derby. You know, cheering for each other even though you're playing against each other. Essentially, right. right? You see them going, it's like and dapping playing, each other up, and everything. It's like the, playing craps in Vegas. Yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> like you, you obviously want to do well, but like when other people at the table do well, you do well, and you're like, oh, this is yeah, great. Right, We're all right, cheering for each other, right? Everybody, and you're not even doing anything. They're rolling the dice. You it. know what I mean? It feels like that.
1: Um, I think though, you know, now what we have is a better home run derby, if you ask me. I think that they've tinkered with the formula over the years, and I really like. The current setup. I don't know if they're going to change it. Where it's it. timed instead yeah. of number of outs or whatever. Just, yeah, just everything they did. It sped it up so that you didn't yeah. have guys sitting out there for, you know, forty-five minutes. I remember being so bored with it at, at some points because someone was just going off that it was boring to watch them hit any more home runs. So I'd like change the channel. See, I'm going to say back. the
0: opposite though. I'm going to say the opposite because some of my favorite moments in home run derby history are the Bobby Abreu's the Josh Hamiltons who did go off and just couldn't stop hitting home runs and because back then it was about how many outs you had They'd be up there
1: for 20 minutes. It's a metaphor for baseball as a whole, Steve. I baseball don't care. I loved as a it. whole needs to have a time limit. I need to no. know when I can go home, <laughs> and I appreciate I feel the... like you're taking this from a reporter's standpoint. I might be. I might be a reporter that watched an entire Phoenix Suns game that basically started at the same time as first pitch, and it was over yeah. by like the 4th inning, Steve. It was absurd. <laughs> I couldn't believe that it was in the fourth quarter already when I look up and we're That's at the a bad bottom sign. of the third. Bad sign. Oh, baseball takes so long. And I like this, though. I like the system. I it's like, good. It's you know, better. And I think that it—I don't know. It makes things very even, I feel like. I don't know. There's something about how much time certain guys took versus other guys rushing themselves that, you know— I, It felt like it made it unfair. You know, it's like you're kind of being dumb. You have all the time in the world. Take your time, walk away, call a timeout, mess with your glove, do whatever it takes. Yeah, like they they kind of left it more open ended. And now, you know, everybody's in this same time limit that they have to to hit as many home runs as they can under the pressure of the clock. Right. And I just dig it. I like it. And I think that it makes it something that's more enjoyable to a broader audience versus what you like, which is. You know, 45 minutes of Josh Hamilton hitting home runs.
0: I've re-watched that home run derby. What? Yeah. That's insane. Not the whole derby, just Josh Hamilton. Just his part. He also has one of the greatest swings of all time. Yeah, he really does. Uh, I hope somebody hits it out of the stadium. I hope that happens. I don't know if it's possible. I, I don't hope, either, I but hope, I'd like to it see
1: it. I hope they have cameras on drones to catch it. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Did you see uh, John Sterling calling the Yankee game and he called the Aaron Judge home run and he was like, there it goes, it's a home run. And then it turns out that it was a replay of a home run. <laughs> he was doing the game remotely oh, while watching a screen. And the screen was playing a replay of the Aaron Judge home run from oh, no. earlier. Oh, no. And so he thought it was another home run. So he called it like a, it was another home run. Sure. And then he was like, oh, that was a replay. I've
1: <laughs> I've made similar mistakes in my article, Steve. I Have can relate. You? It's hard. It's hard to keep track of everything in the way, like, when you're covering a game that you have to, you know, yeah. keep track of all of these details. I don't have somebody else feeding me stats and providing me with information. So I feel stuff like we should be able up. to get
0: you an assistant.
1: Oh, I. Oh, yeah. I.
0: We I'd, won't pay them, but uh, we don't fine. pay Cody. We, Cody could be your
1: assistant. I could find at least five people that would accompany me to a game and dig <laughs> stats for me while I ate snacks and, you know, played on Twitter, which is, you know what i like to do what i do <laughs> at games and
0: you just revealed your whole strategy stop um i'm going to read you some statistics you tell me um good or bad hmm. i already know the answer but they're, they're right. all bad yep uh 29th in home runs we talked about that for the that's diamondbacks that's not great okay what about 29th in stolen bases
1: oof yeah. and and we got rid of tim lacastro yeah. so we got slower so
0: there they go how many stolen bases did he have? Over 10? Do you think this right. season? That's a good question. Cuz they only have 20 on the season. Let, so. let me get my uh,
1: let me get my assistant on that. All right, you look that I'll up while I get to the next. Uh
0: they're 30th in wins.
1: He had five home uh five stolen bases.
0: Okay, so he had a quarter of their stolen bases yeah. and then they traded him.
1: 30 30th, 30th in, in wins. That's not great, but it's better than being 29th in
0: wins. Uh 29th in ERA?
1: That's Really
0: bad. Current team ERA is five point two six.
1: Would you imagine what it would be without Merrill Kelly, especially wins wise as well? Good lord, really, really bad.
0: Yeah. So those are some of the key stats I wanted to. Record. I want
1: to. I want to read some key stats for you. Oh please do. Steve. Uh, Taylor Widener ten day IL. Madison Bumgarner Ugh. ten day IL. Cole Ugh. Calhoun sixty day IL. Yeah. Zach Gallen ten day IL. Christian Robinson day to day kept. Tel Marte, 10-day IL, uh, Tyler Clippard, 60-day IL, Carson Kelly, 10-day IL, Seth Frankoff 60-day IL, Taylor Clark, 10-day IL, Chris Davinsky, 60-day IL, Luke Weaver, 60-day IL. Uh, corp- that's a full team. <laughs> that's, that's basically a starting rotation, uh, relief pitching. Yeah,
0: half a bullpen.
1: Half a bullpen. A couple and starters. A couple of starters. In the, you got a catcher. You got... Can tell Marte that can easily play two positions in a single game and <laughs> yeah. I've seen Luke Weaver dance so I'm pretty sure So he, he brings can, that to the table. <laughs> he, can, he can play second base or third base with his dance skills.
0: Forget the fact that he's a starting pitcher on this team.
1: He's a dancer. Um I think that that Yeah, that's pretty bad. I mean, that's just honestly one of the things that it sounds like the biggest excuse, but really should be the the biggest reason why this team has been So bad. this. It can't
0: go unnoticed. Right.
1: I mean, it's It's a factor. It's not only a factor. It's, you know, it's one of those things that when you look at what's happening with the NBA playoffs, we've had people accuse the Suns of having the easy road of basically fate clearing the way out like Moses parting the Red Sea for the Suns to make it to the championship with all the injuries that other teams have sustained. In a lot of those cases, they're merely talking about one starter going yeah, down right, or one crucial player going down.
0: at what point is it your fault for designing your team where you depend so heavily on, on one, one or two, one two players, two players and when one goes down you're
1: you're screwed right now, with the diamondbacks, what you had was this guy right here, the audience can't see, but I'm pointing at myself <laughs> uh, you always are. <laughs> We have uh, this guy saying at the beginning of the season that their biggest problem was, was depth. Yeah, and it was they didn't address the depth. They merely got a couple of veteran guys for their bullpen who didn't pitch,
0: and Clipper hasn't played at all.
1: Right, at least Joaquin Soria got himself into a position to finally have have a good outing, and he got <laughs> one good outing. <laughs> he got a save. We're what three months into the season? Well, it was it was a game that was kind of critical, to be honest. It yeah. was the game. That won them the their first series in sixty-six days. And that's gotta be a big relief going into the all-star break just to have that kind of monkey off your back to be able to win two in a row, you know, all of that kind of stuff. I think the biggest thing was we were kind of careening in that game towards another bullpen blowing it situation. You know, we had a I think it was um Joe Mantiply, couldn't get a single out, you know, gave up a bunch of runs in his in his short appearance. It was a game where Humberto Castellanos started uh, first start of his career and basically gave gave the Diamondbacks everything he could and had a really good outing for four innings but was on a limited pitch count. Uh, and, you know, there at the end of the game, Soria finally, for the first time this season, looked like the guy that we, you know, signed and, and need. The guy that could come into the ninth with a one or two run lead and just absolutely shut down the other team compared to what the bullpen was kind of struggling to do up to that point in the prior inning.
0: It's not good when I I get all those emails that you get from the team that say, like, we're calling up X player yeah. and we're sending. <laughs> it's never we're sending down a player. It's we're sending them to the IL, unfortunately, is right. the email we get the most. It's not good when 90% of the emails I've gotten in the last two weeks, I don't even recognize the name of the player.
1: Yeah, well, uh, that's going to happen.
0: Brett De De, De, Geis?
1: De Geis, yeah.
0: Did I kind of nail that? Kind of. Jake Faria.
1: Jake Faria uh, has had three starts. I know Joe Mantiply, but... Four starts now.
0: Probably shouldn't. Uh, Jordan Weems I don't know much about other than... I think he came from the Athletics. Uh, Brian Holiday I know nothing about.
1: Okay, so let's talk about that. The Diamondbacks have had a really short leash with guys lately. And it's not like it's guys that they haven't given an opportunity to, but like we've talked about, we've seen a lot of names that we thought were going to be around you know, for a while getting DFA'd and moving on from them or getting sent down to Triple Like who? Uh, like Stephon Crichton, for yeah, instance. that and, was
0: one that surprised me.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's been a lot of transactions when it comes to the Diamondbacks and not having that same patience with guys. Like I talked about before, Lavolo is giving guys opportunities, but he's also asking guys in a way to save us. You know, like, we need you. Go out there for one inning. Get us three outs. Don't give up any runs. You know preferably. <laughs> I know that's a hard thing. But yeah, like uh Do good. Ryan Buchter was sent to Reno. Um, you know, there was uh let's see, they optioned John Duplantier to Reno. They've you know, and these are guys that like they have, you know basically had some long term patience with, but have quickly moved on and been trying to bring on you know Players from that have been DFA'd from other teams, other guys that need opportunities, things like that to this team to try to find somebody that's willing to step up and take take on the responsibility and the and the role of of being a big part of this, you know, bullpen and the rotation, somebody that Lavallo can call on. So far that guy's been Noe Ramirez. Noe Ramirez has been the guy that, you know, even when he gives up a hit or two, all of a sudden can just switch it on and and go lights out, get the next three outs, and get out of the inning without giving up, you know, any damage. He has been one of the few diamonds in the rough for the bullpen. I just think that they're out of time to wait for guys to come around. You know, they give them a ball, the ball for five or six games in a row, and if they can't do it, they they're moving on.
0: Yeah, well, you're trying to balance two things if you're the Diamondbacks now, and neither of them are winning at this point. Uh, for me what you're trying to do is balance how fresh your team is. Usually that is more pitching associated. Sure. Like how how you know you got to have fresh arms to pitch the next day. If you if you throw eight guys out there on any given night, you got to have somebody who can pitch the next day. So you're weighing freshness of players versus long term outlook and how many opportunities you give them. So right now it feels to me like they're leaning a little bit more on the fresh than they are on the long term outlook of some of these guys.
1: I, I feel like it's a weird combination because at one hand it who who cares at this point? So Lavallo and his, you know, maneuvering at times feels like they're still actively trying to win baseball games. Which sounds crazy to me at this point, that they're still actively <laughs> trying to win baseball You're like, games. why I, th- I think that they feel like they could still make a big push and at least have some success, something to hang their hat on that they came back, they fought back, they didn't let this season roll over on them and turn it into not a season where they make the playoffs, but a season that they don't you know look as terrible as they have over the months of May and June. Um, it, some encouraging news is that Cole Calhoun has been sent on a rehab assignment to the Hillsborough hops could be back. So he could be back. I don't know when his 60 days is up, but you know, that's a very encouraging sign. I feel like I've heard Lavolo talk quite a bit about getting the guys back, getting the band back together, getting all of these guys back because the timeline seems to kind of be matching up where they could be getting Madison Bumgarner and Zach Gallen and Cole Calhoun all back from injury all at the same time, getting Cattell Marte back. So it's like once this team is 100% back together, it could be very interesting to see if they turn things around.
0: But at that point, what are
1: you What are you accomplishing? What are you accomplishing? You're absolutely right. And I'm not right.
0: saying you have to tank the rest of the season. And I, I've always been the person who says, in any sport, no player is going out there and trying to lose. No. I don't think any player in any sport does that. I think- and no team tells them to do that. But
1: at what point do
0: uh, – you just said turn things around. They
1: I, can't I, turn around their season. No, and I'm not expecting them to, nor would I even think that that's a possibility. Like right. I said, I almost feel like it's more of a self-respect thing. You know, like Sure. To not have this season be a 120-loss season. You know, To not make history in yet again yeah. in a bad way. To maybe make this season – when you look back on the history books and go, wow, that was a bad season, but – you know, it was way worse at one point. Like, they ended up, you know, only winning 60 games that season. But, wow, at one point it looked like they were only going to win 25. You well, know?
0: and if they come back and win 20 games in September, I'm not saying that's going to happen, even 15 games in September, uh, and the season ends, obviously they don't make the playoffs, do you and I and Cody going into next season take a look at this team and think, okay, they weren't as bad as they were the first five months of the season. Like, clearly when they all came together, they were – they were capable of
1: playing baseball. That's what I want to see. Okay, I, I, I would like to see that. I would like it hasn't to see, happened yet. And there's nothing for them to play for other than losing the number one pick in next year's draft, which none of them school. care about. Nobody. The organization cares about, does to but, some level, but the people playing the games and no. Tori Lovolo, they don't care about that. No. What they care about is once again some some self respect and making this season, salvaging the season, and making it not one of the worst in in franchise history. It, it's, it's already going to be considered that based on the losing streaks, the road losing streak that was the worst in MLB history, uh, the franchise worst l- losing streak, you know, all of that. What I think that they're m- more concerned with is the future and getting everything back on track and moving in the right direction. And that does start with this season. That does start with the end of this season. I'm sure they're gonna end up fumbling the bag and end up with the third pick <laughs> or something like That's that. That's a very Arizona sports team thing it to do. It totally is. Yeah. I just like I think the coyotes said, did that a couple times. Like you said, I don't care. I, I'm I'm more concerned about Torrey Lovello and his his job. I think in my heart, I still believe he's a good manager. And I think that what Mike Farron said when we had him on the show still rattles around in my brain about you really got to look at what he's done with this team, considering the injuries and everything they've gone through with and all lack of the of talent, all of the roster moves, all of the searching for guys that can just, you know, stop the bleeding when it comes to a game to go out there and be able to get a couple of outs and, and help this team, you know, win games. They have had so many close games and especially the close games have been the ones that they've lost where they just couldn't get that one run to win the game or they couldn't keep the team from scoring those two runs to surpass them and take the lead and win the game. It's I think that's been the most heartbreaking part is the fact that their you know their close games have been the ones that have really they've been the most unsuccessful with. Lavallo has had to manage this team through all of this. Yeah. He's done a good job with some of the younger guys that have really, you know, had a chance to go through the ups and downs of a season and really figure out who they are as a player in the major leagues. I think Josh Rojas and Paven Smith have have been fully acclimated to being a you know big leaguers. I think they've both been very impressive and will probably continue to get better. You know, uh, things like that make things like this season make guys, you know, in some cases because of that uh that necessity, that playing time, all of that. I think Farron even called it the best
0: managerial job that Lavello has done yet it's, with this organization. And keep in mind, he won manager of the year in 2017.
1: It's easier when it's a success, that you can hang your hat on the number of wins and what you guys did. Right. You know, I think Organizational success
0: equals right. managerial success.
1: I think the fact that we've seen Lavello bend but not break emotionally as a manager with all of this stress and all of this bad going on. I'd like on. to see him not even bend. <laughs> you know, like, I, well, I'd like for him to have a
0: team, uh, you know, lo- I mean, lovingly, I would like for him to have a team to put out there where he doesn't have to bend all the time.
1: I couldn't imagine. Because he doesn't break, you're right. Well, I'm just an emotional guy, and I couldn't imagine going out there and talking to the media after every loss. Every time he- you you screw up, and I'm not saying he's screwing up, but like if you, at your job, at your
0: daily job, yeah. if you and I, after we finished yeah. this podcast, had to sit down with the media and tell them, "Well, uh, I've done better podcasts before," right, right?
1: Went right out this door, and they were like, yeah. "Hey, let's talk about the stats that you got wrong earlier. You said that the Diamondbacks were twenty-one for thirty-two. Actually, right. they were uh, twenty-two for twenty. What are your thoughts on getting the stats wrong?" And you know, or do you wish just, you had done this different? Do you wish you had done this different? Do you do you guys really? Are you guys really missing Bear? Do you guys think the podcast <laughs> has really been lackluster because of Bear's absence? Well,
0: I can probably answer the bear question pretty easily
1: but yeah yeah i know Um, (laughs) i miss him i miss him too he's my favorite he's in maine show people go to maine what yeah on vacation yeah he went to maine does he have family you
0: know maine right it's a state yeah that's up there i'm familiar with it i used to live in syracuse new york it's kind of close to there you're familiar with maine sure those are still several states away, aren't they? Yeah,
1: but you—it's weird. You can okay. We live in a desert that's wide. And the northeast vast. is
0: all very close. You to can get know, from yeah.
1: one place to another in like forty-five minutes. It's crazy.
0: I'd be remiss if I didn't mention this. I started on a good note. I'm going to end on a good note. I know you love this guy. Stuart Fairchild got called up. Stuart
1: Fairchild, part of the Archie Bradley trade. Stuart Manchild Fairchild. Oh, there it is. That's got called the nickname.
0: Up. Um, I don't know that that should. Uh, spark intrigue in any Diamondbacks fans but I know you love him. Um and he has a cool
1: nickname, Manchild. Well, I think yeah. And he's an actual outfielder, which we haven't had in a while. So there's that. I spoke to him one time uh before a game and this was in 2 I want to say it was when they acquired him. Um Last year? Yeah. Yeah, last yeah, year. Like he came uh, to the ballpark, I think just after the acquisition, to just see Chase Field and stuff. He wasn't playing or anything like right,
0: that, right? Like the introductory yeah.
1: press conference or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he was out on the field, and he was talking to a couple of us, and he was just—I don't know—there was something about him that that struck me as being a real bright guy, like athletically gifted, and just excited to play for the organization. And I, I don't know. I thought I thought very highly of him. I've seen some of his, uh, like some of the video from him playing for the Reno Aces and he looks like he's really come along you know he looks uh like he's put on a lot of muscle and he's bigger and man he was he was doing a great job for Reno so i think i think that it's sometimes hard to expect them to continue that success i've just been looking for that especially from some of the offensive guys to come over some of these guys are absolutely killing it for Reno or for other minor league teams and then they come up to the big league and it just kind of uh, fizzles, fizzles out fizzles out, right? Or they Josh, don't get an
0: opportunity. Josh
1: Van Meter, Andrew yeah. Young, both of these guys were just killing it, you know, when, when they're they tweeners right now. Right.
0: And you hope that you don't get that from man child.
1: Right. Like Josh Rojas was what what was he hitting like 900 or something when he was I'm with, pretty sure it was lower than 900 with the Aces, but Maybe not much, but a little lower than that. When he came over, it was um, you know, he he kind of remained hot there for a little bit, but yeah, he came back down to earth. It's it's the big league, so it's obviously different than minor leagues, but and especially hitting in Reno. I think that's right. uh that's considerably different.
0: Well, the D-backs are going to need outfielders at some point. Whether it's soon or—I think it'll probably be sooner rather than later. I mean, Josh Reddick—none of us expect Josh Reddick to be around for the long, long term. Maybe you get him back next season. David Peralta might get traded. uh, And I hate to say that, but you could say it about anybody on the team right now. He could be gone easily. uh, And then Cattell Marte continues to get hurt. So— there's opportunity for outfielders, and they don't have a lot of them that are like close to major league ready. They got a lot of them lower down. They got like Alec Thomas, and we've talked about Corbin Carroll's a great prospect, and Christian Robinson. Mm-hmm. But those guys are all pretty far away, yep. it seems. So there's an opportunity for Manchild, but um, I don't know that he has the pedigree of those other prospects. Right.
1: I think, though, that there's going to be guys like that. I mean, remember about Rojas and where he was as far as the prospects? go, remember... Not high at all. The whole Zach Granke story about how he was the one that was holding up the trade, and I think that that's one of one piece of that trade that they got right. You know, they obviously... Oh, absolutely. They wanted somebody... I don't know that, that they
0: got either of the other three pieces right yet. We don't know that. Right. J.B. Bukaskis looked impressive in spring training, but that's spring training, and he's now going to be a reliever, so did you really get the best out of that?
1: I don't know we'll see. We'll see in the long term. You
0: prefer for your all-star... Because he played in the the Futures. U.S. versus World... Yeah, the Futures game. Futures game. As a starter, and now he's a reliever. I don't want to make it sound like a
1: bummer, but I you like are. him a lot. You are, though. I know, I yeah. am.
0: So. Corbin Martin, eh, iffy so far. And we haven't even seen Seth Beer.
1: Fairchild, another person that sacrificed their hamstring for the Phoenix Suns championship run. <laughs> um, since coming back from his left hamstring injury, he's uh, hit four twenty three with five home runs for... Reno. So hopefully he can right. keep that role going. Uh just gonna be interesting to see when he has some playing time. He did get his first hit at the game I covered the other night, his first major league hit, smoked a line dry for a single, and he also scored a run on Eduardo Escobar's monster four hundred like twenty six.
0: To wrap up, I wanted to ask you I usually ask you um what the upcoming schedule for the Diamondbacks looks like. I don't want to do that. So tell me, uh, what's going to happen with the remainder of the NBA
1: Finals? Um, Suns in four. Okay, all right. That's how it's going to go. They're going to go to Milwaukee. They're going to win there. Uh, the last home game was last night. Uh, it was an exciting game. I think that they're really just going to proceed to put their foot on the throat of the Bucks,
0: Metaphorically.
1: If you want to say that. And <laughs> I think they're going to win You're it you You're way four. too into wrestling. I think that this is the best Suns team I've ever seen. Does that include '93? Absolutely. Okay. There's something about the '93 team that was still like I remember being mad about trading Jeff Hornacek for Charles Barkley. Yeah. Right. I remember. I remember that being even like a thing that was like the people in my household were mad about. Like no.
0: And then then you see him play, and you're like.
1: Okay, wait a minute. <laughs> yeah, and I think there was a thing about. I might be okay with this. There's a very similar thing. If we're going to really talk Suns, let me let me get into this. Oh boy, there was a very similar thing to us acquiring Chris Paul, which was that the Suns team back then were very. There were a bunch of very nice boys that could play basketball well. You know, there <laughs> were a bunch of, they it. were a bunch of good boys, and Charles Barkley brought an edge, a necessary edge, to a team that needs to win in the in a playoff and a championship. He was a man. It's not the man thing, it's the fact that there is nastiness in basketball and you can either be the perpetrator of the nastiness or part of it or you can be a victim. We saw it in the playoffs quite a bit. The Suns have been the victim and the perpetrator, you know, they they've 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 at least participated in both ends of it. In the Lakers series, the Lakers were obviously overmatched by a much better team. They had dominant players, but once one of those dominant players wasn't a hundred percent, it really showed how vulnerable they were to a team like the Suns that could run it like back and forth with both their you know starters and their and their bench. Uh, I think that's the one thing the Suns have over every team. But this team was a bunch of nice guys. They were a bunch of young guys. Getting Chris Paul and bringing the edge to this team is that the difference maker when it comes to the playoffs. You know, we've seen it with the Clippers. We saw it with every series just about, I mean, honestly, the nuggets and this buck series has been the nicest series, you know, or at least civil series so far i mean the the bucks, least physical the least physical well just the clippers least, were the most physical. the least nasty you know like and to be honest the suns are doing more flopping than the bucks are in this particular series but i mean it's not getting physical it's not getting yeah it's not getting like in a in a way where tempers are flaring or anything like that people are just playing basketball and both teams are playing really good basketball the suns are just a better team and I can't help but take the fact that I met Suns and Four guy yesterday <laughs> at Chino Bandito as anything less than a sign. That's a sign. That we are in fact going to win in four games.
0: I don't have D-backs tickets this weekend. Uh obviously they're out of town, but uh I would go to Chase Field if they opened it up to watch the Suns game.
1: They do have that option to watch the games at the Phoenix Suns Arena and I think yeah. I will But take I think them Chase Field should it. do it.
0: Yeah, I don't know I, if there. Are, I don't know if there are like copyright laws or whatever. I don't sure, know how that all works. Sure. But I've I said that during uh, I forget if it was game one or two. I said the D backs should play the whole Suns game on the jumbotron You're not during wrong. the baseball. You're game. not
1: wrong. You're and not wrong. And you know wrong.
0: what? Somebody who used to work for the team a long time ago told me, you know, they would have done that if both teams were still owned by Jerry Colangelo.
1: Yeah, yeah. Jerry would have done it. Absolutely. I mean, I think they should do it now. I watched it on my computer while I was covering the game, so that's you got to do what you got to do. While
0: we're at it, the D backs should wear Valley jerseys. No,
1: (laughs) stop it with that. (laughs) Stop it. All right, bad idea.
0: Bad idea. I think the other one might be a good idea. It's a
1: terrible idea, but the other one was a good
0: one. We thank you so much for listening to the Ain't No Fang podcast. I'm Steve Zensmeister. That's Derek Montia. We might get Cody back. We don't know.
1: Do we go on vacation now? No, I don't get vacation. I'm going to Hawaii.
0: Okay, well, then I guess I'll do the
1: podcast by myself. (laughs) All right, well, I guess I'll see sometimes. We
0: thank you for listening to the Ain't No Fang podcast here at ArizonaSports.com and on the Arizona Sports app.